All right, well, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn in the New Testament to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, around verse 14 or 15. We're going to start there, and we'll be kind of looking at a lot of different verses this morning. But if you've been with us the last, really, throughout the summer, you know that we're part of a series called Church Defined. And we've taken a lot of time and in investing in uh, being real clear as a church, the principles that ground us as a church, these practices that we're pursuing as a church and then this morning we're going to talk a little bit about the promises that we make to one another as members of a local church and even more I'll just go ahead and tell you let the cat out of the bag a little bit we're going to talk about the whole idea of local church membership this morning what does it mean what does it mean to you is it even in the bible what does that look like and what does it mean to be a healthy member of this local church body called Tri-City. So that's kind of where we're going this morning, uh, some ground to cover. But I'm going to start with this uh, illustration. So Jennifer and I got a letter in the mail this week, and it was just one of those really, really important letters in the mail, and it was from Sam's Wholesale Club. Yeah, Sam's, you know, where you buy the groceries. And the reason it's really important is because membership for our family at Sam's is a big deal. The reason it's a big deal is because Sam's is designed for small businesses and big families like ours. So we got all these kids running around, and Sam's, you know, you can go by a Sam's, and you, as a member at Sam's, you can buy stuff by the truckload, you know, the pallet. I mean, they load it up on a pallet and bring it out to your car. That's a little bit of exaggeration. But you can buy stuff in bulk. So as a family of five kids, man, we can actually go to Sam's and we can buy a box of eggs that has 180 eggs in a box. And that lasts us about two weeks as a family. I'm not exaggerating. Maybe a little. Jennifer said I've exaggerated a little bit. So something like that. So one of the benefits of being a member at Sam's Club is you get to buy food in these big bulk items. Another member, a benefit of being a member, and I think this is one of my wife's favorite things, is you can actually go online and you can order all your groceries at Sam's and they'll go pull them off the aisle for you, put them in those massive shopping carts and bring it to the front door for you. And all you got to do is put it in your car. That's a membership benefit. And man, to a busy mom or a busy dad, that's an awesome thing. But watch this, you got to be a member to get that. Now, there's another perk of membership at Sam's that we're quick to send our membership dues back in. And you've all done it at Sam's. If you, if you time it just right at Sam's around lunchtime, and you, you all know what I'm talking about, right? And you show up, you can have a really good, healthy meal at Sam's for free. You can go around and all the samples, and they got a little pizza here, maybe some fish. And if you're lucky, they have Gatorade or something. You can have your drink and your vegetable and all that for free at Sam's. It's great. But you got to be a member to get that perk at Sam's, if you will. Now, Pastor Mike, that's kind of a silly illustration. What's the point of all that this morning? Well, as we wrap up this series and we talk about the value of local church membership, belonging to a local, visible, like this body of believers and saying, I'm in, and I'm committed to you, and I know you're committed to me. As we talk about membership this morning, here's my goal this morning. I want us to understand the, the meaning and the value and the significance of local church membership. Why does it matter? 
Why does it matter to you? And why does it matter to your family? And is it in the Bible? And where do you find it in the Bible? And what does it look like? And, and I know in the Bible Belt here, I know in this church culture, even when I say the idea of church membership, a lot of different ideas go through all of your heads. I know that. We come to the, to the table with different baggage, if you will. Or maybe different understandings of what this whole thing, membership, means. Some of us see it just like Sam's. We say, okay, I'll join and I'll be a member as long as I get all the perks. And I don't want to make a lot of commitment. And I don't really want it to cost me a lot. And I don't want there to be these necessarily expectations on me. But as long as I get all the perks, you know teaching team doesn't teach too long, and I like the music, and they have all the programs for my kids, yada, yada. So we all tend to approach identifying with a local church family from our consumeristic Western mindset, all of us. And I just want you to know the way the Bible presents identifying with a local church family is not the way we think of membership in our Western mindset of consumerism. It's not. So some of us bring that to the table, and that's our understanding. Some of us, to be real honest, we bring an apathetic understanding to the table. Well, why does it even matter? I mean, does it even matter that I'm a member of a local church? I can't even find that in the Bible. There's no verse, Pastor Mike, that says, Thou shalt become a member of Tri-Cities Baptist Church. I can't even find that. What's the big deal? Maybe that's your perspective. Some of us, and I, I bet a lot of us have this view, some of us have this view of local church membership. I call it the religious view. And the religious view is this. You don't really know why, but you grew up in the Bible Belt, and your grandma was a member of a church, and your dad was a member of a church, and joining a church is just what you do. You don't really know why, and you don't really know what that means for you, and you really don't know what it means back to your brothers and sisters in Christ, but for generations you've just joined the church and you just do it. And I want to set us free from that, to be real honest. What does it mean to say, I am with you, and you are with me? We are together as a local church family. What does that mean? What does that look like for us? Some of us, I'll just... Say this, I, I think some of you come in here and you, you have a, a view that's opposed. You're just opposed to local church membership. And maybe it's because of baggage in your history. Maybe it's because of bad experiences. And I get all that. And, and some of you see it this way. Pastor Mike, local church membership is just a hoop for me to jump through. Come on, man. I get that. So my goal this morning from Scripture, and really throughout this series, for those of you that have maybe been members of our church for a period of time, maybe you're considering membership, and we'll talk about all that, but our goal is to have a healthy, thoroughly biblical understanding of the reality that the New Testament knows nothing of a believer who is not clearly identified with a local body of believers. You won't find it in the New Testament. And I, my hope is that this idea of being identified with a local body, here we call it membership, this idea of being identified with a local body, belonging there, saying, I'm with them and they're with me and I'm committed to them and they're committed to me. The idea of that would not be seen to you as a hoop to jump through, but man, a great privilege that God has granted to his people. A family. A 
family where we're committed to one another, where we serve one another, where we challenge one another, where we are led well, where we go on mission together. All these things that are wrapped up in a local church family. So I'm going to share some different things. I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians, and I'm just going to show you a couple truths that the Apostle Paul shares here. So just look with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. I'm not going to read this whole passage. I'm not going to take time to walk through this whole passage. But here's some things the Apostle Paul says that I think are important for all of us to understand the body of Christ. Paul, what are you teaching here about the body of Christ? Christ's body that he bought with his own blood. How, do we, how does anyone ever become a part of the global body of Christ? Well, only through Jesus Christ and him alone. Through Christ, his finished work, by faith and trust in Christ, we become a part of the global body of Christ. Every believer connected with every other believer. Paul talks about that here, verse 14. He says, for the body, the body of Christ, is not one member but many. And the word member there is not the idea. It's not Sam's Club. It's not consumer mentality. Okay, I, I'm going to sign on the line and I'm a member and get all the... It's not, the word member here is the idea of part of the whole. It, it's a picture of being connected. And it's really a metaphor. Paul uses the human body. Just like the hand is connected to my arm that's dependent upon the whole body, we fit together. We're members. You have a place. And Paul's building on that metaphor. He goes on, he talks about the hand and the foot and how they relate to one another, the eye and the ear. And Then he comes down to verse 18 and he says, But now God has placed the members, the parts, each one of them in the body just as he desired. And again, Paul's talking about the global church, the body of believers that were all connected with one another. But then he gets real specific. Verse 19 he says, if they were all one or single members, where would the body be? Now here's the picture. Paul says, imagine a human body and all the body parts were floating around disconnected from one another. He says, if all the body parts were one, the better translation is single, in other words, independent, doing their own thing, where would the body be? And the answer is, it couldn't exist. So Paul's writing this understanding of how we're connected to one another, how we're dependent upon one another through Christ. And then he comes on and he says, uh, if they were all one member, where would the body be? Verse 20, but now there are many members but one body. And here's the kicker. Paul is writing this truth about the global church. Watch this. This is huge. To a local organized body of believers. Okay, Pastor Mike, I get it. What, what are you saying? I'm saying, yes, we are part of the global church, all believers connected, but we live out that faith and we live out the truths of Scripture by identifying and connecting with a local visible body called local churches, the local church family. It's both. And the Bible seems to present both. So here's the big truth that we're going to focus on for the next few minutes together. Uh, that Jesus' followers are called to commit and submit to one another as a part of a local church family. And I'll just tell you, many of you could talk about the blessings and the joys and the benefits for the last year, 5, 10, 20 years of how joyful it is to be part of a healthy church family. Many of you can look back and say, that's not been my experience. And I've gone through the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows of a church family and church membership. And I've seen it distorted. 
or I've seen it abused, or I've seen it become oppressive, or I've seen the joy of belonging to a family the way God designed it. So for all of us, I think there's an abiding principle that we carry through the New Testament, and that's this. Jesus' followers are called to commit and submit to one another as part of a local church family. Now, Pastor Mike, again, I can't find this. There's not that verse that says, Thou shalt be a local church member. Where do you get that from? Let me walk through the New Testament, just some different verses here, and make some observations with you really quick, and then we're going to apply it to this local church family. So how does the Bible affirm membership in a local church like this one? Number one, early believers clearly identified with local churches. Throughout the New Testament, when Paul writes or John writes or whoever writes different letters in the New Testament, they always write to bodies of believers in local churches. Not believers scattered, loosely connected, but connected, identified with local churches. Acts 2, verse 41 and 42. Here's some examples. This is following Pentecost. This is the first church. This is the early church. Peter has just pre- preached the message of Pentecost. 3,000 have just come to know Christ. And look what happens. Verse 41. So then, those who had received his word, Peter's message of the gospel, were baptized. Just like we saw today. That's the progress. That's the process. Someone hears the message of Christ. They place faith. They believe then they make, make it public through baptism. And then what happens? The Bible says, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Added to what? The Bible seems to indicate that they were added to a recognizable, visible body of believers, a church family right there in Jerusalem, the first church, the church of Jerusalem. And here's what happened, verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were devoting themselves to fellowship. That's one another. They were devoting themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. In other words, from the very beginning, the picture that is implied is this. Believers belong to local churches. And in local churches, believers are committed to one another. They are submitted to one another. They are devoted to the Word of God. They are devoted to the mission of God. But the idea and the picture of believers floating around by themselves, not connected to local churches, you won't find that in the New Testament. Even some of the letters that are written to single individuals like Philemon are written to... Listen to Philemon chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Paul says this. He says, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner, for preaching the good news about Christ. And from our brother Timothy. He says, I'm writing to you, Philemon, our beloved co-worker. Watch this. And the church that meets in your house. Even to the single individual. Paul writes, he says, I'm writing to you, and oh, by the way, those believers that you identify with, that church that's meeting in your house. The point is this, it is implied and inferred throughout the New Testament, believers belong to local organized bodies of believers, families. Let me give you some other illustrations really quick. Another one you see is this, early believers were led by elders appointed to local churches. One of the gifts that God seems to give to us as believers is to have overseers and pastors and leaders to lead us. And I say that about me too. 
I have elders over me. I submit to our team of elders. They're gifts to my life. But elders are always tied to local organized churches. Acts 14.23, the Bible says, When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they committed to the Lord whom they had believed. The process was there. was churches would be born. Churches would come as disciples were made, and then Paul would go in and appoint elders, leaders over every one of those local churches. And by identifying with one of those local churches and saying, that's my home, that's where I belong, I'm committed to you, we're committed they were elders and pastors that they belonged to. Now, I just say this as a point of illustration for all of us and challenge for all of us. One of the things that we all need in our lives that God has entrusted to us is Elders and pastors to watch over our soul, Hebrews 13 says. That's a massive deal. One of your elders, I take that incredibly seriously. But the Bible seems to indicate that if you're not identified, if you've not gone through whatever process the church church lays out, but if you've not identified with a local body, you may know some elders and pastors, but you don't really have an elder or a pastor keeping watch over your soul in that sense. Always tied to a local church family with whom you identify. Let me give you another example. Early believers were accountable to one another in local churches. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. See, if I just float around and what one author said, some believers just want to float around in me and Jesus land. And the idea is, well, it's just me and Jesus. And by the way, it is just you and Jesus. But Jesus has left his body here on earth, the church, for us to connect to. But some wrongly think, well, I'm just going to kind of float around in me and Jesus land. Here's, here's the kicker. That means I'm not really accountable to anybody. That means I don't have to answer to anybody. That means nobody's speaking into my life. And by the way, sometimes that's kind of the way we like it, right? Our flesh. But the picture of the New Testament clearly is in local churches where you are committed to one another and you publicly identify and say, I'm committed to you and you're committed to me. There's a level of accountability where I have people speaking into my life and I have people committed to my growth with the Lord and I have people who care about my soul. Give an example. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul writing to a local body of believers, he says this, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disrupted. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for one another and for everyone else. Who's Paul talking to? An organized, identified family of faith who had committed to one another as members, if you will, of that local church. And he said, listen, encourage one another. Strengthen one another. Some who have become idle, in other words, they've kind of become passive. They've started to drift. Go get them. Fight for their faith. Fight for their walk with the Lord because they've committed to you and you've committed to them. See, if you've not identified with a local body of believers and said, I'm with them and they're with me, it's possible to just begin to drift and orbit and to begin to stray and you've not committed to anybody and nobody's committed to you and you'll just continue to stray and drift and that's a dangerous place to be, brothers and sisters. Dangerous. So the pattern in the early church is that believers 
were accountable to one another in organized bodies. They knew who their brothers and sisters were in the local church because they had committed to one another. Just one more very quick. Early believers advanced the gospel together in local churches. 1 Thessalonians again, verse 8, chapter 1, Paul says, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, plural, the church, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also every place your faith towards God has gone forth, so that we don't have to say anything. The word is reverberate. Paul says, from you, this local organized body of believers at Thessalonica, the gospel has started and it has sounded out, it has reverberated through Thessalonica, through the region, through Rome, through Europe, and even throughout the world. Who was he talking to? A local, organized, identifiable body of believers, a local church. The church at Thessalonica. So all these things just, just imply the reality that believers belong to local churches. You see that throughout the New Testament. Now, let's talk about this a little bit. So back to our truth. So Jesus' followers are called to commit and submit to one another as part of a local church family. So, Pastor Mike, I got some questions about that. I I have yet to find in the Bible where any verse prescribes me to go through a five-week membership class, to sign a form, to stand in front of the church, to do all the stuff we do here at Tri-Cities. I've never found anywhere in the Bible that prescribes me to do that, and you would be right. You're right. I want you to listen. The Bible is crystal clear and the New Testament clearly presents the reality that believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who have been transformed were connected, they were publicly identified, they were clearly being led, they were serving one another, they had committed to one another, they were submitting to one another as a part of visible, local, organized bodies of believers called local churches throughout the New Testament. Whatever process the different churches may have is open for debate. We know that. But the idea to say, I'm a part of a recognizable, identifiable body of believers. That's my family. Those are my pastors. Those are my brothers and sisters that I have committed to. And those are my brothers and sisters that have committed to me. Is simply something you see in the life of every believer throughout the New Testament. So somehow in our culture, in our day, and I think it's influenced by a lot. I think it's influenced by our Western individuality. I think it's influenced by our consumerism, some of the things we talked about. Sometimes we don't like the idea of identifying or submitting or recognizing, I really just want to do my own thing, and that is a dangerous place to live. Dangerous. So for us here at Tri-Cities, again, we call it membership. Some churches call it partnership. Some churches call it different things. But it's simply a process, a rite of passage, if you will, for believers, those who have come to know Christ, been baptized, those who agree with our membership promises. We'll talk about that in just a minute to say, you know what? I'm committing to that body of believers, and that body, body of believers is committing to me. I'm submitting myself to that body of believers, and that body of believers is submitting itself to me. I'm recognizing the leaders that are there. We're going to live on mission together. They are my family, and together, man, I need them, and they need me. See that? 
And there's a statement that's been really helpful to me here. Uh, it's written by a dude named Kevin DeYoung, and he said this. You put that, go ahead and put, put that quote up on the stage or on the screen. It says this. So when we join a local church, uh, we are offering ourselves to one another to be encouraged, to be rebuked, to be corrected, and to be served. In other words, we're saying, this is my family that, that I'm going to look to to be encouraged, to be rebuked, to be corrected, to be served. And I'm publicly identifying, saying, I'm in with them, and they're with me. We're placing ourselves under leaders and submitting to their authority, godly, qualified leaders. And we're saying, and I love this, I'm here to stay. And I want to help you grow in godliness, and will you help me do the same? Isn't that cool? So membership here at Tri-Cities, particularly at this local body of believers, we, we have a process and we have promises that we make to one another. Uh, the process is simply that there's a Discover Tri-Cities class that we ask folks to go through. It's not a requirement for membership, but it's a really good idea. There's a profession of faith to say, I follow, I follow Jesus Christ. I've been baptized by immersion. And then there's some promises that we agree to. And Daniel mentioned these earlier. I want to talk about these for just a few minutes. So we've been going through a series as a church, and we've said, okay, here's the principles that, that ground us as a church, biblical authority. So these things, the gospel sufficiency. There's practices that we're going to pursue because we think that's how we grow as disciples. We're going to abide in Christ, and we're going to connect in community, and we're going to gather for worship, and we're going to equip the family and go make disciples. Okay, I, got those, I got those practices. I can't remember all of them exactly right, but I kind of see how they all fit together. And then today and next week, just for, a, just for a couple, just for a short time, we're going to talk about this. So then what does it mean for you to practically be a member of this local body? Based on what we've seen, based on the value of it, what are the handles? Where does the rubber meet the road? What does that look like on a day-in and day-out basis? Because none of us want to have the apathetic view and say, well, you know what, I, I'm a member, but I don't even know what it means. It doesn't matter anything to me. I, you know, I'm kind of committed. I'll show up on Sunday, and that's kind of going to be the commitment I'm going to get back or that I expect. That's not healthy. We don't want to look at it like this, that local church membership is a means to salvation. We certainly don't believe that. We're not talking about your salvation and your relationship with Christ in that sense. But we are talking about your growth and your health and your maturity as an identified, connected part of this local church. What does it look like? So in the time we have remaining, just a few minutes, I'm going to give you four or five big ideas that answer this question. Okay, whether I've been a member for 20 years... Whether I've been a member for 20 days or I'm thinking about membership, based on everything we've said here, what does that tangibly look like? What's the teeth in that at Tri-Cities Baptist Church? Let's talk about it. Big idea number one is this. In membership, we abide in Christ together. I don't want that just to be preacher talk. We have our five practices that we're pursuing, right? Abiding Christ is one of those. Abiding in Christ is not this just individual pursuit. There are promises we make to one another around that that we say, together, we're going to abide in Christ together. I'm going to help you pursue Jesus. And I want you to help me pursue Jesus. John 15, 5, Jesus said this, 
I'm the vine and you are the branch? Nope. He said you are the branches, plural. In other words, it's the picture of Jesus is the vine, he's the life, and together as people, as the branches, we are vitally connected to Christ, but we do that together. Here's the bottom line. I need you to help me walk with Jesus. And you need me to help you walk with Jesus. And the idea that I can do it on my own or I can do it kind of coming in and out of a faith family is never the picture of the New Testament. We need one another in that because my heart grows weary and I go astray and the distractions of the world get really appealing and I get discouraged and I I, I drift. So I need something. I need to be able to say as a member of Tri-Cities Baptist Church, Here's what I can expect. Here's a promise that goes along with that. It says this, I promise. And again, Daniel mentioned it earlier. Promises aren't guarantees. These are are directions. These are pursuits. This is our trajectory. We're going to blow it. We're going to mess up. This is by God's grace. This is where we're going together, though. I promise to abide in my Savior Jesus Christ by resting in His saving and sanctifying work through faith and pursuing Him through regular Bible study and prayer and consistent practices of discipline. And I make that promise to you as my faith family, and you're making that promise back to me because I can't do it by myself. And I'm not supposed to do it by myself. And as a member, the culture is to be this. We're going to spur one another on toward Christ's likeness and growth in Christ's likeness. That's the culture. That involves promises we make to one another. I'll give you another one that goes along with this. To pursue holiness by the grace of God, living a life of obedience to Scripture as an ambassador of Christ and a representative of His church. That's one of our membership promises. To pursue holiness. Listen. I don't know about you, but I want less of sin in my life and more of Jesus. See, don't make holiness some weird, kind of twisted, distorted idea of how long your skirt is or what. Go beyond. It's the heart that it's less of the things of the world and more of the love of Jesus Christ that is controlling you. You're more and more and more and more like Jesus. Listen. If I'm going to grow in Christ's likeness and I'm going to become more and more like Jesus, I need a family of faith to help me in that process. And you need a family of faith that you say, I'm in and we are committed to that. And I need a group of people who love me enough to look at me and say, listen, because you're part of our family of faith now, I'm as concerned about your holiness as I am my own. Man, I see you drifting, and I'm coming after you because I love you. And I'll do whatever it takes. And we do this in small groups, and we do this in community, the way we live it out. I know we can't all know each other in a church this size. I get it. But, man, I can say I promise to pursue abiding in Christ. Secondly, in membership, not only do we abide together, we connect in community together. Meaning we value the idea of connecting in community in our life groups and our study groups. We, we recognize the idea that if you're here and you're a part of this church, we're going to pursue community together. I promise to you, I'm going to help you be in, in community. You promise back to me, I'm going to help you be in community so you're not a Lone Ranger Christian. So you're not doing this thing on your own. 
And man, I'm going to help you find a place where you can learn truth together. And I'm going to help you find a place where we live out truth together. And we do this in a body of believers. And man, if there's 30% of our church that's not connected in groups at all, and man, they're kind of doing their own thing and they're struggling, we shouldn't be okay with that. Not as a rule and a stipulation and a club. If you hear legalism in this, forgive me. That's not the idea at all. Man, this is how we grow. This is how we thrive. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said this, All Satan has to do in the life of a believer to cause him to stumble is to get him alone. Get you by yourself. Just get you doing your own thing. So we promise together here, one of our membership promises is this, is to live in Christian fellowship, connecting in community with my church family. Man, that we have this shared life together. That's the word koinonia, that's the word fellowship. We have this shared life together in Christ, and we live it out as a part of this faith family. Big idea number three, in membership we gather for worship together. That, and then what that means is the gathering of God's people is a priority for us. It's not a yoke. It's not a hoop to jump through. We know that God has set up, God has organized for us to come together, to be challenged, to be encouraged, to be equipped, and then launched back out in the world together. And to not have that, we struggle. So it's a priority for us. So we promise to one another, together with my church family, for worship. Does that mean, man, the, the Sunday morning police are going to come and get you if you're not here every Sunday morning? No, that's not what that means. But it does mean it's a priority to you, and it's a priority for you to hold out to your brothers and sisters with whom you're in covenant with here in membership and say, man, I'll see you Sunday. I'll worship alongside you Sunday. And by, Oh, by the way, I'll see you Sunday, and we'll even be on time. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? You'll get it. Number four, in membership, we equip the family together. See, equipping the family is one of our core practices. It's one of the things that guides us as a church, but we do that together. So, again, does that, do all these mean that if you're not a member of Tri-Cities that you're not going to receive benefit? No, that's not what that means. Does it mean if you're not a member, you can't attend the worship service? That's not what that means at all. But in membership, you're saying, okay, now I'm committing to you, and I believe you're committing to me, and I'm submitting to you, and you're submitting to me, and I'm all in, and we're going to do this together, and we're going to strive in this together. That's what, we, that's what we mean when we say membership. And in membership, we say we're going to equip the family together. It's a beautiful picture of it with Robbie and Melissa and their family. To say, yes, I promise as a member of this church, I'm going to value my family as the first place of faithful ministry. If you're a member of our church, that ought to be the culture you step into, that we spur one another on. Man, the decisions you're making about work are awesome, but I just need to remind you, bro, your first ministry is back to your family. The decisions you're making about that new job, that's awesome, and we're going to pray about that with you, but I just want to remind you, as a church, bro, your first ministry is to your family. I love it that you're taking underwater basket weaving. That's an awesome hobby, but man... Seven nights a week? Come on! I don't even know if that exists. Is that even possible? That's the culture you step into. That's a commitment to one another. To value the family. And watch this. To be committed to the discipleship of my family in partnership with the family of faith. 
That's your larger church family to recognize, man, we have a responsibility as parents, whether we're single parents or caregivers or whatever it is, to invest in the next generation. But here's the glorious thing. You don't have to do it alone. As a member of Tri-Cities Baptist Church, by, by acknowledging this membership promise, you're saying, yes, I'm going to strive to disciple my family, but I'm going to strive to do it with you. And we're going to do this thing together. We're going to figure out the family discipleship plan together. We're going to mess up and we're going to work through it. But, man, I've got a, I've got a pattern to follow and we're committed to one another. I'm not in this alone. Man, I saw a vivid picture of this last night. I'll just use a quick illustration. I don't know if Jim and Renee Thompson are in this service or not. They don't want me to call them out, but I will anyway. So they're, they're invested in our student ministry. They invest in our senior high boys and our, our girls in our student ministry. And they believe that it begins in the home. They believe it begins with parents and caregivers. So last night, they invited uh, five of our senior high boys over to their their house in the middle of, I have no idea where I was, up in the middle of nowhere. I couldn't get cell phone coverage, miles and miles. But they invited us up, and they cooked food, and they had food for us, and they gathered those boys, and we shot guns together, and we gathered around these boys. And here was the picture. I literally had a moment where I stepped back as a dad, and I thought, Man, I'm so thankful. I want my son to grow. I want these boys to grow. And thank God I'm not in it alone. You ought to have that same sense. That doesn't come and that doesn't happen when you live in me and Jesus' world all by myself out here floating around. It comes when you say, I need a body of believers and I'm submitting to you and we'll submit to one another. And I'm investing my life in this family of faith to the glory of God. That's the picture in the New Testament. So last one, in membership, we go make disciples together. Membership promise looks like this, to go make disciples, sharing the love and message of Jesus. That Go make disciples, that's one of our core practices. So as a member, we say together we're going to spur one another on. We're going to grow in learning how to share our faith because it's hard for all of us. We're going to gather in community and learn how to have gospel conversations. And we're going to plant churches together. And some of us are going to be sent out to the ends of the earth, praise God. We're going to do that together as a family of faith. So I hope that through all this, there's been an understanding that when I identify with a local body of believers, it is a privilege that God has been entrusted to me as a believer to identify with a family. Now, we only have five core practices, but I've got one more big idea, all right? And you say, well, did you make one up? No, you're going to see how this fits in together because I think right here is where the rubber meets the road for a lot of us. And here it is. In membership, we submit to one another and to Christ together. You circle that word. You got, you... Pastor Mike, I'll just be honest, I don't like that word. <laughs> The idea of submitting to someone or coming up under someone's leadership or coming up under someone speaking into my life or giving someone the right to speak into my life or giving someone open, wide open access to my business. Listen, in a healthy church culture, watch this. The idea that my walk with Jesus is my business and not yours is simply not a biblical reality in a healthy church. Your walk with Jesus is our business because we love you. Submission is the idea that I come up under and I open up my life and I yield to you as my brother in Christ. I yield to the leadership. We need one another. Watch this. And here's, here's the kicker. I've been wrestling with this statement. I, 
we know local church membership doesn't save you. Jesus saves you, right? We know that. That's Christ alone. But watch this. Practically, on a day-in and day-out basis, as we wrestle with sin and we try to grow in Christ-likeness, being connected with a living body of believers that can walk with me and challenge me, encourage me, watch this. Being connected with a body of believers like that saves me from myself. And one of the reasons it grates against me and it grates against us, the idea that I'm committed to you and you're committed to me is because in my flesh I really want to do my own thing and I want to have my own choices and I don't want you looking into my business. Now, I wouldn't say that because we're all in church. We're supposed to say, yeah, I'll blah, blah, whatever. But down deep in my flesh, when I'm not being led by the Spirit, I want to do my own thing. But watch this. God in His grace loves me so much. He has given me a family, a body of believers, the body of Jesus Christ with skin on that can take me by the arm or can look me in the face or walk along with me or come when I need help or call me in the middle of the night or I can call when I'm tempted to click the mouse and look at crap on the computer and say, man, I need you. Save me from myself. Because Proverbs 18.1 says this. He who separates himself seeks his own desire and quarrels against all sound wisdom. It is a dangerous place to be left to yourself. And submission and identifying with a local body of believers that loves me and is committed to me and will blow it and get it wrong because we're broken is the grace of God in my life to save me from my own flesh for his glory. So I'm going to ask the team to come on up and we're going to begin to play. We're going to sing a song together, but I just want to tell you very practically, okay, so what do I do with all this, Pastor Mike? What's the next week look like for us as a church? So just a reminder. So if you remember several weeks ago when we started this series, we had an elder conversation up here and we shared with you and said, okay, get ready. So when the series is over at the end, uh, we're going to ask everybody who's a part of our church, member or non-member, to be ready to respond in one of three ways. You've heard who we are as a church, we've walked through our principles, we've talked about our practices, our promises to one another we make as members. So here's one of three responses that I'm just going to encourage you this week. Pray through, think through. If you've been a member for a long time, you may have not even be familiar with these membership promises. I encourage you to go online, tcbchurch.org, membership, promises. Look at these, familiarize yourself with these this week. These are the, these are the handles of what it means to be part of this faith family. Here's three responses. Number one is this. You may say, I'm a member, and I reaffirm the membership promises. In other words, I reaffirm my membership and these membership promises. That's going to be the response you have next week when we come back together. Or some of you may say this. I'm not yet a member, but I want to be. Awesome. We'll help you through that, pro that process and the promises. And or third, you may say this. You, you say, I have reservations about this whole thing of membership, and but I'm willing to talk to somebody about it. I see it's important, and the Bible places a lot of value on this. I'd like to talk to an elder, pastor. That may be your response next week. But after this series and after the Word of God, I think, spoken into our life, this picture, I think all of us have a response in one way or another. And that's where we're headed to over the next week or so. Church, I love you. 
Boy, these things I'm, I'm talking about, it's not just theory for me. I can't tell you what this faith family means to me personally. Not as Pastor Mike, Elder Mike, just as Jesus follower Mike who needs you. We need each other. I'm not trying to be kambaya and you know, have that sweet moment. That's biblical. We need one another. So mem- membership is an important thing to belong to a faith family. You pray with me. I'll pray with you and then we're going to sing together. And we're going to recognize some new members of our church. Lord, we love you. Lord, first we thank you for the gift of Jesus. Lord, thank you for the reality that Jesus has taken all of our sin upon himself. Lord, given us his righteousness by faith. And Lord, we have life in you. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room, Lord. I pray for those that, uh, Lord, may, may have been challenged today about what it really means to belong to a local body or Lord, there may even be here some that don't know you at all. God, I pray you'll pierce their heart with the gospel right now. Lord, strengthen us as a faith family for your glory and for your honor. And we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.